Amen. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your word, your truth. It's sharper than a double-edged sword, living, active. And we know, Lord, it pierces our hearts. And we're so grateful today that we can come. We're so grateful for your presence in this place this day, Lord. Words cannot express being in your presence. In the presence of the Lord. Nothing else, Lord. Nothing, nothing else is better. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing in our lives as church, individually, corporately. Across the whole spectrum of the church, the body of Christ, Lord. We honor you this day. And we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, Lord. All right, we're going to talk about the importance of glory. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 4. The importance of glory. We talked about the glory of the Lord. We talked about being in His presence. That's where we're in His presence. He's here. And, you know, when we go to heaven, we're going to be in His presence 24-7, thinking of it that manner. So why not now, Lord? I always say, why not now? Can't we just begin? And he's here. He's healing. We're hearing testimonies of his healing power because of people who are in the presence of the Lord. We're going to look at 1 Samuel chapter 4, and we're going to look at uh, verses 1 through 22, if you'd like to stand and read it with me. We're going to talk about the importance of the glory because this is the other side, the glory of God. We need the glory of God to fall in this place. And, and I believe God has given us a little taste and seeing that he is good, the Bible says, okay? But we want to talk about this today because I want to talk about how we want to make sure that we're walking in the glory of God, okay? Verse 1, and Samuel's word came to all of Israel. The Philistines deployed their forces to meet Israel. And as the battle spread, Israel was defeated by the Philistines who killed about 4,000 of them on the battlefield. And when the soldiers returned to camp, the elders of Israel asked, why did the Lord bring defeat upon us today before the Philistines? Let us bring the ark of the Lord's covenant from Shiloh so that it may go with us and save us from the hand of our enemies. So the people sent men to Shiloh and they brought back the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord Almighty who is enthroned between the cherubim. And Eli's two sons, Hypni and Philenice, were there with the Ark of the Covenant of God. And when the Ark of the Lord's Covenant came into the camp, all of Israel raised such a great shout that the ground shook. Hearing the uproar, the Philistines asked, what's all this shouting in the Hebrew camp? And when they learned that the ark of the Lord had come into the camp, the Philistines were afraid. A God has come into the camp, they said, and we're in trouble. Nothing like this has ever happened before. Woe to us, who will deliver us from the hand of these mighty gods? And they are the gods who struck the Egyptians with all kinds of plagues in the desert. Be strong, Philistines, be men, or you will be subject to the Hebrews as they have been to you. Be men and fight. So the Philistines fought, and the Israelites were defeated, and every man fled to his tent. And the slaughter was very great, and Israel lost 30,000 foot soldiers. The ark of God was captured, and Eli's two sons, Hopni and Philenice, died. That same day, a Benjamite ran from the battle line and went to Shiloh, and his clothes were torn and dust on his head. And when he arrived, there was Eli sitting on his chair by the side of the road, watching because his heart feared for the ark of God. 
And when the man entered the town and told what had happened, the whole town sent up a cry. And Eli heard the outcry and asked, what is the meaning of this uproar? The man hurried over to Eli, who was, in, who was 98 years old and whose eyes were set so they could not see. And he told Eli, I have just come from the battle line and I fled from it this very day, Eli asked. And what happened, my son? And the man who brought the news replied, Israel fled before the Philistines and the army has suffered heavy losses. And also your two sons, Hopni and Philistines, are dead and the ark of God has been captured. And when he mentioned the ark of God, Eli fell backward off his chair by the side of the gate and his neck was broken and he died for he was an old man and heavy and he had led Israel 40 years. And when his daughter-in-law, the wife of, of Philetus, was pregnant and near the time of delivery, and when she heard the news that the ark of God had been captured and that her father-in-law and her husband were dead, she went into labor and gave birth, but was overcome by her labor pains. And as she was dying, the woman attending her, don't despair, you've given birth to a son, but she did not respond or pay any attention. She named the boy Ichabod saying, the glory has departed from Israel because of the capture of the ark of God and the deaths of her father-in-law and her husband. She said, the glory has departed from Israel for the ark of God has been captured. Amen. My land. Okay, let's look at it. Y'all get what's being said here right now? Do you see, we talked last week about the importance of the glory of God. We had talked about the importance of the presence of God. Now, what had happened in this particular scripture? What was happening with Israel at this particular time? Well, very plainly, the glory had departed. Ichabod. All of us may have read about that particular word and what it meant in our Christian walk. But I want to tell you, it's very important. And I want to tell you, and I want to apply it to the church today. I want to talk, apply it to this church today. And I never want Ichabod to be written across the door of this church called Lighthouse Fellowship. Okay. And I don't want the word Ichabod to be written across any door of any church. Ichabod. Because we need the glory of God. And we need to walk in the glory. It's the power of God that really sets us free. The power of God that brings us salvation. And all of that, everything is wrapped in the glory of God. The Bible says the whole earth is full of the glory of God. And every now and then, God gives us a glimpse of his glory. And we're changed. It will never be the same any longer. And, and last week, to really kind of understand what the glory of God is, because it's hard to really describe. It's the brilliance of God, but it's actually the, the, like the visible presence of God. The tangible presence of God that I've talked about can sense the presence of the Lord as we worship the Lord and as your heart is prepared. And we talked, we talked about that over, obviously, all desires to be in God's presence. Amen. That's all I want. When I'm in his presence, I can walk with him and talk with him. I can resist temptation. I can flee from temptation. I can do the will of God when I'm in his presence. Sometimes I want my own way. And I don't necessarily say, Lord, I want your will as the priority. And so I get off and get in different places and, and somehow the presence of the Lord and I can sense is just not there like it has been. And maybe some of you felt that way. And maybe some of you here today have felt in the sense that maybe God has spoken to you. And maybe you've ignored it. Maybe you've ignored it and you went on and done your own thing and, and somehow you're like, something's not right. 
It's because the presence of the Lord withdraws. Now we know theologically, Jesus said in Hebrews chapter 13, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that is true. But there's also that sense of his intimate presence. There's also a sense that he is walking with us and talking with us. Do you know when Jesus walked on this earth, he certainly got along with the father at the beginning of the day and he prayed. He got and he he was like he has the heart of God. He wanted to know what God's will was for him to that particular day. But as he walked on this countryside where he was at that time, he was he was talking to his father in heaven. He was having intimate communion and fellowship with his father here on this earth at that particular time. He was walking in the glory of God. And so I believe that God wants us to walk in his glory every day. I believe that he wants us to walk in such a depth of, of knowing his love for us and loving him and being in love with Jesus so, so much that, that we wouldn't even think about breaking the heart of our father. I believe that he desires that. And for that to take place, we've got to know the glory of God in your life. And so if you felt like somehow that you did not, you weren't obedient when God spoke to you, Maybe in one way or another, God has just withdrawn his presence. Or maybe you've grieved the Holy Spirit because when we grieve the Holy Spirit, it's kind of like God waits for us to come back and to obviously acknowledge those things that we've we've sinned in our erred in our lives. Confess them is the word and to obviously repent. And when that happens, can't you tell? Isn't there a difference in your life? Isn't that a difference in your walk with the Lord? Like there's a sense of God's presence in your life. See, when God touches you, it's his business emotionally what he's going to do, but he'll bring emotions out of you. When you're in the presence of the Lord, something happens because your heart begins to break. And really, that is that theological term brokenness. And it's very relevant for you and me until we're broken. We really don't really see the depth of our need for God Almighty and for his presence in our life and for his presence here in this place corporately. We can talk about it and we come into church. And see, I don't want an ordinary church. I'm not coming in to do just my thing here and so forth. I'm the pastor, I'm supposed to have a message, blah, this and that. And we sing songs. I won't have come to encounter the Lord. I've come to worship him. And worship means that I'm encountering him and that I've been cha being changed from glory to glory according to 2 Corinthians 3.18. That's what it's all about. But you and I can grieve the heart of God to such a point that we don't have that sense of awareness of his presence. When I tell people after we pray for them and some people will say, I, I pray that the Lord will be with you. You see, the Lord is always with us. But the answer and really the question and the term should be, I want you to be aware of God's presence. We don't, obviously, we walk by faith and not by sight, but there is some feeling and, feely and touchy things in the Christian life also, and I love those things. I'm obviously psychosocial in that, okay? And so I know, okay, I think up here, and there are different ways emotionally and relating to people and connecting with people, and that means also with my God. And when that happens, things begin to change. But I want to talk about it. Just real quickly, I want to give you a rundown exactly because what I want you to do is for God to wet, wet your appetite to ask God for the glory to fall in this place, for the glory of God to fall in your home, in this city, in this nation. I want to tell you because the glory of God is very, very important because when God withdraws his presence, 
He's there. He loves us. He's for us, not against us. Remember that. But there are times that he waits on you, as Don mentioned, until we get still, be still and know that he is God. There are times when we need to obviously come before the Lord and say, Lord, I just don't have that awareness like I used to. See, Israel knew what Ichabod meant. They knew what that meant. And it was a very, very serious thing here. And we see here, Eli was irresponsible. He had not brought his, his boys up necessarily in the admonition of knowing Jesus Christ. And they were rebellious. And they were doing all these corrupt things. And what they did was they took the Ark of the Covenant, which was obviously not just symbolic of the presence of God, which many theologians will tell you. I believe that obviously the very manifest, tangible presence of the Lord actually dwelt there in between the, between the cherubim there on the Ark. Okay, now that may be controversial, but I want to tell you, they knew when the Ark of the Covenant went and their hearts were right with God and they brought the Ark, the presence of God into a situation, they obviously could win the battles that they went into. But what happened was uh, Eli's sons brought the Ark of the Covenant in and they were using the Ark like a good luck charm. They were like, man, bring the Ark in, we're going to win. And their hearts were so far away from God that it was just ridiculous. You and I can in the same way. You know, we got a lot of religion, right? But God is saying the religion is obviously what crucified Jesus. He's talking about relationship and intimacy, a depth of love for our Savior. And we should be growing that love for our, our Savior, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We should be growing in, our, in the saving knowledge of knowing Jesus Christ. But so often this world gets in. All these things are vying for our attention and wanting to pull us this way and that way. And yet God is saying, I want you to come back and I'm going to share with you before this is over because this is, this is a hard word, but it's also true. And it's obviously very serious today. I wouldn't be bringing it. It's challenging, but there's something I believe when God wants to speak because he always brings encouragement through it if we respond. That's what we want to look at today when we talk about it. Because where there is the absence of the glory of God, there is obviously spiritual poverty. You don't have any power. You don't have any power at all in your life. You realize, well, I'm just kind of going through the motions. I don't have that life down deep. I don't no longer have that little, that step that I have where I can step a little bit higher because something has happened in my life. Somehow I no longer have the joy of the Lord. Because something has got in between you and God and me and God and has somehow uh, taken it away. We've placed our allegiance. We've, we've placed our life in that. And we don't even realize it sometimes. And it can be happening in the church today. I want to encourage you about something, okay? And I've talked with you about it before. When you come in here, this place is not, I'm not legalistic about it. But I want to tell you, come in here praying. And after you've greeted one another, if you would sit in your pew and begin to ask God to pour his spirit out in this place. OK, now I talk about reverence of God, which is the fear of God. And that's what we've lost a lot of it today. Don't take it casually. But when you go in here, well, I love to talk to people and so forth. Nothing wrong with the fellowship. It's great. And we'll have it continually. But taken after you've spoken, come in here and get in your pew and begin to ask God to pour his spirit out. Ask God to anoint the worship time when we obviously sing to him our praises. Ask God to anoint the word of God. It's not about me. It's about him. Remember? 
We talked about it last week. It's not about me. It's about him. And I had to get out of the way and let his word and his truth go forth to touch people's hearts today. Just an instrument that he uses. A calling that I pray that obviously I want to take very seriously. And I want to tell you something. God is pouring out his spirit, folks. Okay? Amen? God is doing something in this earth today. And he's doing it in the church house. Because judgment begins in the house of the Lord. And he's doing something today. And you know, I've been praying, Lord, help me to steward the pres- your presence and your power in my life and in the church today in a way that is honoring unto you. And that means, obviously, being very careful with that and not grieving or quenching the Holy Spirit of God. And so I had to be careful what I say and how I, I obviously do things in my life today. And he's beginning to do that. And I know he always does that, but I'm talking about, I believe that he's beginning to shine his light and we need to pay attention to it and we need to get in on it because I want to be a part of it. I don't want in any way for the glory to depart to whatever degree. I want people to know Jesus. I want people to come in this place today and be convicted of their sin and and obviously come to a saving knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. But I don't want just the people being born again. Praise God. Hallelujah. But I want believers today who have drifted away from the Lord that don't have that passion and that desire to know Jesus like they did when they, they first became Christians. I want to return to that. In the book of Jeremiah, it says that he will obviously heal their backsliding. He's going to bring the backsliders back. I've been praying for that because we got a lot of backsliders out there today because the church is disappointed in different ways. Because what's happened? Because we've been turned into an entertainment center. We've come into a place where we just just go through the, the motions of things. But I'm not here for ordinary church, folks. I'm not here to please people. I'm here to please the Lord. And I'm not trying to be pious. I'm not trying to be legalistic at all. Don't get me wrong today. I want to know Jesus. I want to walk in his presence. Just like I'll walk when we get to heaven to whatever extent. I know our bodies can't take the fullness of God's glory. Because Moses, remember, he'd been in the presence of the Lord. He came down and covered his face. And people people said, don't get near us. (laughs) The glory is shining through you. And then Moses had the audacity to say, Lord, show me your glory. And God said, okay, I will. But you can't see the fullness of my glory. But you can see my backside. And I'll put you down in a rock. I'm going to hide you. I'm going to filter my presence because it would blow us away. When we get to heaven, we won't have these old bodies. I've only had one really powerful. I've had many experiences with the Lord, but one really powerful that I knew. And I didn't even know a lot of these things I'm talking about today. But I knew that if God had released the fullness of his glory, that my body could not have taken it. It was so awesome. But what did it do in my life today? It changed my heart. It changed my direction. Actually, it changed the whole thing of where I was going because I was in another profession. And I felt a call to go into ministry after that happened. Now, I'm not saying to seek an experience either, but I'm saying when you seek the Lord, something's going to happen. Because he says, when you seek me with all of your heart, then he will be found by us. And so we're asking the Lord to do this today because the only thing we can do is, what do you think? Really, let me ask you a question. What's going to bring people in this place called Lighthouse Fellowship over here on 3rd Street? We're tucked away over here in the neighborhood, a community, beautiful community here in League City, Texas. What's going to bring people in this place? I want to tell you. The presence of God. The presence of God. God shows up and begins to do something 
And people start talking about it. And he'll say, what is happening over there? And no man will be able to take the glory because all the glory will be shifted to him. There won't be anything. It will be God Almighty and his sovereignty and how he does that. But what will bring people in this church will be the presence of God. It's not going to be coming in here because obviously, hey, we got a good preacher over there. Great. Praise God. No, it's not that or anything else. It will be because of the presence of God. Because that's what we've been made for. Do you know we've been made for that? This is what happens. So important in the glory of God to walk in that. I want to tell you. My desire is for the glory of God to rest upon this place. And I don't care. And like we know in scripture, it talks about when they were dedicating, the priests were dedicating Solomon's temple. The glory of God came down and the priests couldn't even perform their duties. It was too much. They didn't even think that they wanted to move in that particular case. They just be, they were still. They were on their faces before God. They were down. And because the glory of God came, the weight and, and the term is the weight of his glory came upon them. They couldn't stand in his presence. Because it was too awesome. That's our God. But man, things happen. God shows up. God does something right. I don't want an ordinary church. I don't want that. It's not good enough for me. And I don't believe it's good enough for you either. Our church has got to be a place where the glory of God rests, where our worship is authentic, where our lives are transformed because we're encountering the glory of God. We're being changed from glory to glory. And so there was worship activity going on there, but there wasn't a moral transformation that was occurring in the worshipers at that particular time. You see, worship without transformation does not exist. If you're not being changed into Jesus' likeness, which is obviously Romans chapter 8, then something's not right. And I told you last week, if you've come in here today and then you leave and something has not happened and something in your life and all that, or you're not hungrier for God or something, then go back and examine your hearts. Now, yes, we walk by faith and not by sight, but there's something that happens, okay, in my life. Yes, I have knowledge of who God is. Yes, thank God, and I'm growing that knowledge. But on the other side of that is experiencing his presence and knowing him in the depths of my heart. It's through that experience. You see, you're changed by an encounter, what, with the truth. And I mentioned last week, we are in a battle in this country, in our lives, and our churches today, and the battle is between truth and lies. You turn the TV on, and all you hear, you be careful, because they're just spewing lie after lie after lie, because they don't even know how to tell the truth. And we know who, obviously, that's coming from, the father of all lies. And so we need to encounter the truth. The truth will, what? Set you free. Will set you free. They were changed, obviously, into the likeness of Christ here. True worship always results in transformation. We'd look at Ezekiel the same way. In Ezekiel, God is withdrawing his uh, manifest presence, the glory of God there. And what he does here is very interesting because it's a vision that Ezekiel has. And he witnesses the withdrawal of God's glory from the inner court of the temple, the outer court and the temple area and the city itself. And finally, from the land and nation itself. And Ezekiel is, has a vision and he's viewing this. And one of the things the scripture talks about here at this particular time, that it appeared, certainly for many people who've read this, it, that, is that the glory is reluctant in leaving. 
It's kind of going slowly, leaving. It's reluctant in leaving here. You remember when Jesus looked over Jerusalem and what did he do? He wept. He wept because he knew he'd be rejected. He's the source. He is our life. He is who we need in our life, but yet he wept. And so the same way with God, when we go, God, I want my way. I want my way. And, and I'm not going to seek your face to get your way on what you want for me or what you want for this church or what you want for our community and my family and beyond. But I want my way. And see, when we want our way, let me tell you, God withdraws, so to speak, in that manner until we repent and we come back and return to him. And this is what had happened with Israel. It wasn't because of a single sin in Israel's life that he withdrew his presence. It's because they were, they were obviously, they were headstrong on doing their own thing. And see, they were doing all these types of things. And it looked good and it was religion. And yet they weren't being transformed from the inside out. When God, you know, when you got saved, what happened? You got saved, something happened on the inside, right? And then it transferred to the outside. Something happened. You begin to see people differently. You begin to, to see everything different in your life. You begin to have hope in knowing God had a plan for your life. Things begin to change when you were changed and transformed from the inside out. And if you're not, obviously, regenerated is the word. And go back and say, Lord, I need you. And I surrender my life to you and to you alone. One pastor that I know of. He had obviously had, had walked. He was actually preaching, doing things for, in the ministry and so forth. And he realized he came to a particular point in his life that he realized he really wasn't saved. And he went back and he began to ask God to examine his heart. And he began, the Lord began to examine his heart and he realized that he had always, yes, we want Jesus as our Savior, but do we want Jesus as our Lord? Do we know what that means when we ask Jesus to come in? Lord, you come in and take full control of my life. I fully surrender my life to you as my Savior and my Lord. It's got to be that way. Hey, be Lord of all, he's Lord of none. And so have we surrendered? Have we had a time where we did surrender and then we begin to wander away from that and we begin to take the reins of our life back into our own hands is the question. Charles Finney said this. He was a preacher in the 1800s. He said, any religious system that does not break the power of sin is a lie. There's a lot of stuff being taught out there today that's not breaking the power of sin. There's power of sin broken in your life. Do you not want to? Yes, we do sin because First John talks about that and we confess and he'll, he'll obviously forgive us and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But I'm talking about today. Do you know when you mess up and when you run to Jesus and do you know, confess it and repent? Or do you just say, hey, uh, you know, you just go on your merry way. You see, it's got to break. It's got to break that power of sin. And we should be saying, like Jesus said there before he went to Calvary, not my will be done, but your will be done. Faith in Jesus Christ, obviously, is we need that. We look to God to be on our strength. But Jesus comes and takes the form of a servant, a slave. And then instead of crushing the enemies of Israel, he dies a death on, on the cross because he comes to break the power of self-centeredness, self-destructiveness, and self-indulging sin. 
so that we'll look to God, not to put him on our string, but that we might bring glory to his name. Just let me go along and be comfortable, Lord. Just let me do what I want to do. I mean, I mean, we would never say that. It'd be ludicrous for a Christian to say that, wouldn't it? But sometimes we act that way, don't we? Lord, uh, you know, I, I'm having fun here. And see, a lot of times people will say, I don't want to accept Christ now because he's going to take all my fun away. Well, wait till you accept Christ and wait till you begin to walk in the depths of the love of Christ for you. There's nothing more fun in that case. Not necessarily fun the way we see it, but the way God has it. Because I want to tell you, a joy down deep in our hearts, not necessarily about happiness. Okay, happiness can come and go. But joy is something you can't take away. And I always tell people, don't let anybody steal your joy. You steal your joy. You can't walk out there in this world today with the confidence and knowing that today and see what happens. We begin to draw away from the Lord in that and we lose that joy. Let me just again mention, come in here and ask. I want to say another thing about this too. We come in here on Sunday morning and we begin to worship the Lord. You cannot jump in and out of worship. Okay? Your heart's got to be prepared. I don't know about you. My heart's got to be tilled over. I mean, like that, like those middle busters, they take that and put in the soil, the farmers put, it's got to be peeled over. And that takes worship every day. It may take, obviously, when you're in your car and you're singing, I put on music and sing to the Lord, whatever it may be. But whatever way you do it, get into the word of God. Let me tell you, when I was on my way here today and all week, and it came up to this point, is I'm going, Lord, I'm excited about coming here at the Lighthouse Fellowship today. He's, I'm excited about getting amongst your people. I'm excited about getting in your presence corporately today. I know I walk in your presence every day. I can have that. But I'm excited about here. I'm expecting you to do something in this place today. Is that your heart before you come? Or you just say, well, it's time to go to church. Let's go. And that's it. You can't jump in and out of worship. You've got to be, your heart's got to be prepared to worship before that time. Which takes, when I leave this place on Sunday afternoon until the time we walk in here again, my heart is being prepared to serve and to speak the word of God, but also to walk in his presence and obviously to know I can worship the king, okay? Can't be jumping in and out. Doesn't work. And what happens? Do you know one of the greatest strategies of the enemy today in a Christian's life is busyness? I don't have time. I don't have time for that. You know what happens? We have a lack of power in our life because the glory is gone. We have a lack of joy in our salvation because the glory is gone. David prayed in Psalm 51, restore the joy of your salvation. That's what happens today. So. You can drive the glory of God out of your church. Do you realize that? I'm saying this today because we got to come together as one. Either you believe what the word of God says or you don't. Now, it's not necessarily the way I completely, obviously, articulate it, but God speaks, and I'm confident in that. But when we come together, we come together as one. And we need to repent, ask God for his forgiveness Obviously, and if you have something against your brother or sister in Christ or whatever it may be, then you need to get it right. You need to go You get it right. Forgive me. I've sinned against Father Jesus in Psalm 51. David saying, my sin is always about you and you alone have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. 
Okay. Yes, you may have hurt and there are consequences, but our sins against Almighty, a holy God. You and I want to bring glory to God, then we obviously need to not tolerate anything in our lives and, and make sure that we are quick to repent because we know we stumble and fall. But be quick. Be quick. We've got to learn to hate sin and refuse to allow it in our homes here. And what do you tolerate in your life today? What are you tolerating? What is it that you said, this is something I've always done and so forth, and yet God is telling you, hey, it's got to go. Pay attention. Because His presence, His manifest presence leaves, then we obviously, we don't have that joy. We don't have that power. We don't have that intimacy that Jesus wants. And you look at Ichabod. The glory has departed. We need the glory. The importance of the glory is so important here. Okay, how do you get back here? Always that good word here. Talk about it. And that is a fresh consecration to the Lord. Now, other churches and old Baptists over the years could call it a rededication of your life. Okay. Paul said, examine your hearts. Make sure you're in the faith. Right. And I do believe that is whether or not we're walking, that we have been born again, that we've actually been saved and so forth. But I do believe we need to take time to examine our hearts. What is God showing you? And what does that take? It takes what Don said earlier, be still and know he's God. You got to listen. You get quiet. Why? Because everything else is going on. I get up, turn the TV on, bam, turn the music on, bam, here we go. All these things are getting, and, and, and God's saying, I speak with a still small voice. He can give us impressions along the way, but he speaks in a still small voice. If you want to hear the voice of God, be still and know that he is God. And that is very true of Psalm 46. Be still, get quiet. And let him speak. Sometimes when Kathy and Don are at the end. If you notice the songs are beginning to taper down. And we get still. We're singing praising. Because we know obviously. That is praise. What? Praise and worship. Okay. You could look at it like that. Praise. Exalting him. Shouting hallelujah. Thank you Lord Jesus. And all. But at some point. We taper down. And we get into worship. We begin to be still. And know that he's God. Consecration. You can do that. We'll do that today. Because I want to pray for you today before we stop. And I want to, pray. I want to know as far as where you're at. What's going on. The question is will you run your life or will you let God run your life? It's a heart that desires to let God be in charge. Completely. And you go oh yeah. I do that. That's simple. Yeah. But take and let God examine your heart and see whether or not somehow you've excluded him and you've turned away from him here. I want to tell you here, I believe much of the church has forgotten that the reason that we gather is to encounter the majesty and the glory of God. Washing my eyes to see your majesty. It's seeing with the eyes of our hearts. Down deep in our hearts. God's shining his light in your heart. And so this is what's happening today. I don't want Ichabod. I don't want glory to depart in my life. Because I am nothing without the Lord. Jesus said you do nothing apart from me. Nothing of any spiritual significance. Nothing. We do religious activities. 
and we do all this and that. But are you obviously entering into a spirit of worship when you come in? And that takes preparation all week. And when you come in here, remember an attitude of reverence. I'm going to hug you. And I'm going to slap you on the back. Not the ladies, I won't. I'll just hug the ladies. But then get your focus and get them on the Lord and ask Him to do this. See, I've always said, in what we have, the people we have here, if we come together as one, which we are, we're in unity, we're community, is that when we begin to ask the Lord something, I believe it moves the heart of God, and I believe that He answers things when His heart is moved. Why? It's because I know He wants us to experience His glory more than we ever would want to experience His glory. I'm going to the bank on His desires but I want to get in and partner with his spirit and what the spirit of God is doing today in the earth today. I want to partner with him. It's his work in and through me. But I want to surrender to such an extent that God has his way in my life and the life of all everybody here and this church today. There's no shortcut to God's glory. None at all. And I believe he wants to let us see his glory, to have his glory come upon you, to cause you to worship him, to transform you, to change your life from the inside out. Do you believe that that's what God's desire is here today? Well, let's let it happen. Let's don't just stop talking about it, preaching about it, teaching about it, singing about it. Let's get on with it. And let it happen in my life. I always preach to myself, y'all know that. You know, sometimes we talk about certain things that seem to be foreign and strange and unusual. Sometimes we're uncomfortable because we talk about how God reveals himself and how he does that. But God knows what you need and what I need. And if we'll open our hearts to him, we know. And really what it takes is admit your need to God. Admit you can't do it on your own. Admit that you've sinned by living a self-led life. Believe that God has sent his son uh, to take your sins away. Confess, speak with words that you believe in Jesus and are willing to let him rule your life forevermore. To be a, a Lord of your life. That's what we're talking about today. For just $67, and, and today, you can make as many videos as you want. Today, maybe you're in a place where you feel like the glory is about to depart. You feel like it then obviously a fresh consecration. God is always ready to take you back. Always. A fresh consecration. Let's bow our heads if you would. I want to see that now, and I don't always do this. I'm not here to put you on the spot. I'm not going to look. But if you want a fresh consecration of your life before the Lord this day, your whole life today. Raise your hands. Everybody in here wants to, to truly just to have a fresh consecration. Just a fresh, fresh and filling of your spirit, Lord, and your glory. Just raise your hand. God sees your heart. He sees the flag of your heart being raised now. 
If you feel like you've departed from the glory of God and, and you're feeling like you don't have the power in your life like you used to, that you don't have intimacy, you're not walk, walking in intimacy, life no longer holds any type of encouragement or excitement or anything, motivation, today would be the day that you make that fresh consecration. There's no other way, folks. I don't want Ichabod in my life. I don't want Ichabod in my family. I don't want Ichabod in this church today. And I certainly don't want Ichabod across the body of Christ. I believe that he's moving and I believe that you and I have an opportunity to respond. I pray that God would give us grace. God's told you something to do. Then say, Lord, I'm going to do it and make that, make that declaration. And then right behind it, say, Lord, give me the grace to be able to do what I know is right. Give me the grace to be able to, to step out in faith with what you've told me to do. Whatever it may be, if God's spoken to you today, give me the grace needed. I declare, I'm going to do it. And we can make that declaration on the totality of God's word because he's teaching us and we're growing the admonition of knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ today. And make that declaration, Lord, I will walk hand in hand with you. I will, obviously, as much as I'm able to, with your grace, Lord, align my life with your word today and whatever it may be. Because, see, this particular revival is going to be a revival of holiness. And what does that mean? That means that all the junk in our lives that maybe we've tolerated or maybe we picked up from the world where we need the washing of our feet. And that's symbolic, obviously, of God coming and cleansing us. But certainly. It's gone. It's got to go. The holiness of God moving reveals things in our life. We didn't even know we're there. And if God is doing that in your life today, always remember this place is here to pray for you. No embarrassment about that at all. You come in before God, not us. It's between you and the Lord. There's no condemnation. We pray for one another. We lift one another up. But that fresh consecration, Lord, we right now make it. I make it in my life. I pray, Father, take everything out of my life that's not like you. Everything. And Lord, in that process, I pray no longer in anything that in any way is vying for your attention, Lord, or for my attention above you. If you no longer seated on the throne of my heart, Lord, I ask you to come and remove it. Any idol in my life, Lord. Anything that I have... Lord, depended on more than dependent upon you, Lord, whatever it may be. It may be my retirement. It may be my money. It may be one of my, my family or whatever it may be. I no longer, because that's an idol when it gets up there and you begin to worry about whether or not you're going to be able to make it, whether or not you're going to have the food, clothing and shelter, whatever it may be, that gets in the place of God. And God is saying that his heart is broken because we have faith in the son of God. We know Jesus fed the 5,000 with the two fish and the loaves and he fed and there was abundance that was left over. Our God can do immeasurably more than all we think or ask according to his glory in the church and in Christ Jesus. Yes, indeed. That's who our God is. And you and I have got to walk in these truths today, this truth, because you and I know the truth and the truth will set us free. And he's revealing that truth today. Don't believe an eye, a lie. Renounce the lies that you have heard, lies that you've been taught, maybe even in the church and maybe in a, in a, maybe not, not a, uh, in the wrong motive way, but just because you've grabbed a hold of things saying you'll never be able to make it, you'll never obviously be able to walk in that 
that newness of life that Jesus has given each and every born again Christian today. That's a lie from hell. You've made an agreement with the devil. Break that agreement. Break it now in the name of Jesus, Lord. Thank you, Lord. And renounce these things. I am a child of the living God. I am dead to sin and alive to Christ today. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am more than a conqueror through him who loved us. I have the victory in Jesus Christ today. That's the word we grab a hold of. Today is the day God looks at our hearts and saying, okay. I told you I don't want ordinary stuff. God working on me. Okay, maybe speaking. And he wants you to know he loves you. He's for you. And he wants the very best for us. But we sometimes just like Eli's sons. They had taken what God had given him. They were working in the temple there. And they began to obviously try to operate in a spirit of religion. He said, we just do this and that. And God's going to bless us. No, you God, I'll tell you right now, God will not be manipulated. He will not be manipulated. If you want to surrender your life today, today is the day. I give you my life, Lord, and I surrender all to Jesus. And if you want prayer after the service, we wait. If you said, I'm not certain of my salvation, today is the day to make certain of your salvation. If the day you're not sure where you are with the Lord, be certain. We are not condemning. We're here to pray for us. We are all here. We are community. We're brothers and sisters in Christ. We pray for one another and we build one another up in the faith. That's why we're here today. I'm not here to preach another sermon. I don't want ordinary things. I want Jesus. Now speak the name of Jesus. Over this church, over my family, over this city, over this nation. Again, I speak the name of Jesus. Consecration means being set apart for Christ and Christ alone. You're his and we're ours. He's ours. He is ours. Amen. Okay. I just want to speak the name of Jesus. What are we going to do when we get to heaven? (laughs) We're going to fall on our faces before God. We're going to worship Him. We're going to be humbled. We're obviously going to be totally, obviously surrendered. Why not do it now? Why not now? Let's pray. Father, We speak the name of Jesus over every heart here today. We speak the name of Jesus over my heart, over the hearts here of the families. Lord, just transfer all of these things to our families, to our community, to our marketplace, Lord, wherever we may be. We speak the name of Jesus, Lord, and we surrender. In full consecration. Set apart for you and you alone. Not for anything else. And Lord. Please have mercy. Where we have allowed things to come in. Push the glory of God out of our lives. Lord remove them. We ask you Lord to take that spiritual scalpel. And cut it out. 
Lord, if it hurts and we squeal and we yell, so be it. But take that spiritual scalpel and cut that stuff out. We speak the name of Jesus over this place today, over the ministries that are represented. Because it's all about you, not about us. We honor you today and praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.